What's up, guys, and welcome to A is a Podcast, a podcast where we discuss a variety of topics from comedy, movies, and even mental health. Make sure you rate our channel and tell us what you think. And also follow DJ Sabotage, D-J-S-A-B-O-T-A-J on all socials and C-T-G Mark 10, that's C-T-G-M-A-R-1-0 on all socials. And now the latest episode of A is a podcast with DJ Sabotage. You are now listening to a cutastic beat. Hell yeah, I want it all. I ain't really trying to play. Ignoring every call if it ain't about to pass. So I really got a ball. Coach put me in the game. Ever since I got involved, it ain't never been the same. Hell yeah, I want it all. I ain't really trying to play. Ignoring every call if it ain't about to pass. So I really got a ball. Coach put me in the game. Ever since I got involved, it ain't never been the same. Hell yeah, I want it all. What's up, everybody? This is DJ Sabotage, and welcome to A. Is a podcast. I'm here with my friend, my brother, my pal, CTG Martin. How are you? It's hot. It is hot. It's so hot. It is hell hot. I'm so sweaty. I ain't built for this. Listen, I'm a tropical <sighs> brother. I don't do this. <laughs> like I said, lucky for me, man, I live with the spawn of Satan. So until it's 100 degrees, this house don't turn on no air. Oh, man. Oh, and went this- out in the world. Made money. I give said money to Spawn of Satan for things, you know, like a comfortable living situation. And I'm not in that. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to take said money back and go. I'm going to sit in my car. I'm going to turn the air on. This is, I, this is an old house, man. Upstairs, it just, blah. yeah, it's a farmhouse, man. The heat just sits up here. It's like, yeah, it's home. So, yeah, I'm dying right now, but we're going to be okay. Yeah, my my bill is going to be high in the next few months. It's just going to be straight high bill uh, (laughs) because everything's going to be on all the ACs, fans, just AC and the fan, like in the same room. It's going to be just like that. It's going to be Arctic. Oh, I'm an air baby, man. I don't even care. You can call me weak. You can call me soft. No, I like to breathe. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. What about all these people that sleep in 90 degree weather? Something wrong with you. It's 87. It is 87 right now. And it feels like it's 102. That's what's crazy yeah. about it. Yeah, it's it's gross. I uh I took a shower just to like cool off and I take hot showers. <laughs> I just had to get the sweat off of me. Like, God dang. So no, it's it's a it's a battle I conceded on years ago, but as I'm getting older, may have to give up another battle to win this one because uh yeah, dad don't like it hot. It's uh, it's sticky and I feel gross. Like, I feel like I did something wrong and I shouldn't feel that way in my own home. So, <laughs> <laughs> Listen, when I was growing up, all I wore was black, black, everything, black shirt, black pants, black everything. And I felt like I was a black Power Ranger. Now I understand why the old guys wear pastel colors. I, I get it now. It bounces off. It bounces off. The shirt smart them golfers man they 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 figured out them dry fits years ago all them old men you see comfortable as hell new balances do it get you some new balances change your whole life i'm fully accepting dad life man let's go i am not i am not accepting the new balance now i can do the doctor shows i can do some memory phone stuff but that's as far as i can go right now i can't do no you're new only, balances. You know, sketches a couple years away a couple sketches years away. i can do 
<laughs> yeah, and you watch. Here's the thing: you're gonna get your. You're, here's what you're gonna do: you're gonna get them New Balances, and you're gonna be wearing them, right? And you're gonna be like, God damn, this feels good. But then here's the thing: this is what you're gonna do next. You're gonna go right out in your yard. You're gonna turn them sideways, and you're gonna get them all dirty. You're gonna go mow. You're gonna beat them up, and then you'll use that as an excuse for your brand new comfy. Sh- oh, yeah, I was mowing earlier. After I had to take these off, these are my mowing shoes. Nope, <laughs> them's just your shoes. And that's the excuse you need to get by with them. That's the dad hack right there. Oh, comfy that living. comfy living. That's messed up. <laughs> uh, so on dad life, <laughs> what what are we talking about this weekend, Chris? What we got this? Talking about some music. We got yes. we got some music reviews then. And if we're yes. gonna talk about dad life, we might as well start with some dad rock. Because I believe uh, one of the groups you gave me is the just that that era that that I, I believe they're calling it dad rock nowadays. Um, and that's OK. Uh, when you gave me two groups like we've been doing. Yes. Um, and the first group, well, I'll, it's your band. I'll let you introduce them, I'll let you give some backstory and then we'll get into it. But they are to me very much in that dad rock genre. OK, I think I think I know which one you're talking about. I oh, think I know. know. <laughs> uh the band is Revis. See, you knew. See, I knew. I had a feeling. <laughs> I had a feeling. Uh, Revis was, because they disbanded, uh, an American post-grunge kind of a band uh, from Illinois. Uh, they released the album Places for Breathing back in like 2003. They end up disbanding around 2005. But their biggest song, Caught in the Rain, uh, actually peaked in the Billboard charts. And one of the reasons is because it was also included in the Daredevil soundtrack. I know five people watched it. But- I knew I knew that <laughs> damn song, dude. Okay, so I'm one of the five people that loved Ghost Rider and Daredevil, okay? And for all yeah. of y'all that are like, oh, they were trash. You're wrong, okay? If it wasn't for those movies, we wouldn't have what we have today, Okay. Yeah. Yes, they didn't do great in the box office, but certain people saw the movies and said, hey, wait a minute, this can work. Same with Blade. You can yes. thank Blade, the first real Marvel movie ever. Like, were they amazingly great stories and intriguing of the Marvel universe you have today? No, but you owe it to them because, again, I knew I knew that damn song. I knew it. I, I've told myself all week, I'm like, I got to look that up. Why do I know this? I've watched Daredevil a hundred times. And- yeah. Not, you know, not to take away from Charlie Cox because he's done great with the new Daredevil, but that Ben Affleck one, man, I loved it when it came out. Dude. You you know oh, what's crazy? I, I went to see it in theaters. That was a time when I was just a movie addict. I just go to movies all the time. And I watched it. And at the time, you guys, this was before the first Iron Man. This is This was a moment where Marvel was trying to be a little bit more adult, but it couldn't figure out how without shunning the younger crowd. So you had this weird balance of being adult, but still had that cartoonish kind of a vibe to it. Yeah. And um, and thanks to Blade, which was very weird to me, that they never really said it was a Marvel movie when it came out. Actually, mm-hmm. it, it wasn't weird to me. I understand it in, in the sense of the business because you don't want to say an R-rated movie was a Marvel movie because a Marvel movie was considered 
a child's thing. So you couldn't really say this was a Marvel movie. So you had to like put it in the credits. Anywho, oh, yeah. It was marketed very much as like a horror genre kind of movie. Yeah. 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 Um, until Black Panther came out and then everyone was like, oh no, 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 there was Blade. So <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll tell you what, I can go back and like, yeah, you can I, especially the first one. The first one, a blade for me is a classic. Yes. But even the second and third, I can watch them. And I yeah. I I've heard all the difficulties, you know, with the third one, Trinity and how Wesley was and Ryan and Jessica on set and all that. And, but man, like I just, I knew Blade just from being a kid and watching it. I, I didn't even know it was Marvel until maybe five, 10 years ago, somewhere in that range. Like, you know, people are like, this is Marvel. I'm like, wait a minute. Cause I remember I had a a Blade comic book, but it was the old Blade, you know, the Robin Hood looking Blade. (laughs) I never put two and two together. (laughs) Oh, you can't say, yeah. Have you ever seen Blade from like the 70s? Yeah, uh, uh, Black Robin Hood. <laughs> Killing vampires. <laughs> those green spandex. But those movies were actually good at the time. I mean, yes, like it was panned across from credits, but really you got to give it up to Marvel to do as much as they can. But I would say those who haven't watched it, watch the daredevil director's cut there's a whole different story that people didn't get a chance to see and it stars coolio and that story alone to me made that movie 10 times better oh no i did not know about this i know what i'm doing this weekend yes absolutely daredevil director's cut and it stars coolio he is in court and the whole story kind of evolves around him and it's actually i think pasted throughout the film so you get this full story with matt murdoch and how he is this way and that kind of thing it actually makes sense so definitely guys check it out if you can um and those who like to do it illegally i'm saying it cinema on your fire stick (laughs) (laughs) if you can't find it anywhere people cinema on your fire stick that's it that's all i gotta say you can google that but back to the band (laughs) back to the band revis before i get arrested um revis uh, at the time, man, I mean, they they were they were a good band. They, they, every song in there was was cool. I love the lyrics behind it. But now kind of listening to it, it does kind of seem a little bit dated. Um, it kind of reminds you, hey, I'm a fan of Nickelback. So I have to say <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't see, I wasn't even going to do them that dirty. I actually like really dug in and like they really yeah, they have that finger 11. Um cold uh yeah kind, kind of like a, a cookie cutter version like a not so good version of um oh what was the group i can't i was just thinking of them because i i love their music when it was out um who oh my gosh i actually wrote it down earlier this week because i was like oh yeah there's some shades of that in there too um who had that that song he had a great voice it was like oh, tell your mother oh. stupid girl cold no, I already mentioned that one. Um, damn, you talking about Stone Temple Pilots? No, not no. Stone Temple. Something like that, though. Um, oh man, they had a great sound. They had like two really big hits, a couple smaller hits, um, and they were considered emo. That was the thing. They came mm. out around the times of like Story of the Year and the Use and all that, but they had a heavier feel to them. They were they were more of a rock, I thought. Um, I'll think of it just because that's a great band we should talk about at some point too. Um, yeah, I just cannot 
remember that I was just in the shower, literally singing it. And now I can't even think of the rhythm because I've got, I've got Brevis in my head now thinking of the, the song from Daredevil, but Oh man. Yeah. Like they're not a bad band by, by any means. It just, no. that genre to me was so oversaturated and it went on right. for so long from like Seether to, um, Oh, now I'm forgetting everybody's damn name. Cause I'm on the spot. Um, saliva um mm, yeah just that you know that that era of just uh almost like really clean guitars with good vocals and then kind of grungier singing with distortion um and like i said the music not bad at all i just you you've heard it right on on better levels i guess would be a, a different way to kind of say that because again i don't want to say they're bad it almost sounds like they were at like the very beginning of that genre again 2003 that was right when it was starting to come out so Right. You know, we're, we're talking about bands that kind of debuted more into the 2006, 2010 range of like, you know, okay, they've really figured it out. And that happens a lot with music. Um, you know, emo is a perfect example. Um, even like hip hop, a lot of, you know, a lot of artists, like when the, the style first started, it's a little corny. It, the, the style's being invented. And over the next five to 10 years, that style will then be mastered and give you better. So to me, that's what I took away from the album was like, okay, they were at the very, the very start of you know we'll call it dad rock and they did really well i mean it's produced very well it's everything's put together very well but yeah one of the songs in there i mean literally the lyrics are something like your hand on my revolver makes the thing go boom or something I'm like yep that was that era yeah everything was a gun yep. <laughs> yeah yeah it's a gun your soul <laughs> it's a gun your mind it's a gun everything's a gun so <laughs> this is true i, I can't it's like the third track and i heard i just remember <laughs> laughing because i was like oh my god so many uh songs at that time everything you know i'm staring down the barrel of a 45 um love gun you know from kiss early like there's so many uh, as americans we just fucking we'll make anything a gun this we, is we, true yeah we will measure things in guns before we use the metric system like oh that's about 38 shotguns long you're like oh yeah yeah how long that is okay <laughs> it's america <laughs> yeah so um no this is true i i, I want to say looking back on it uh they kind of it's like the boy band era right you had this big push of a wave of pop and all these bands and obviously you had your two your nsync and your backstreet boys and then here comes everyone else so when it came to Revis, I feel like looking back, they were everyone else. And what I mean by that is it was probably towards the end of the wave, right? Because I think if they came out right around the time of like Puddle of Mud and, and Nickelback era, they Puddle probably would have had, yeah. had at least a couple albums before that wave died out um was the wave earlier than that i was feeling like that's when the wave started was around 2003 was it 2003 because i was pulling it back Hold on, um let me see. when did their album come out let's let's look at it um, i'm really curious about that because well they their album came out in 2003 it might have been earlier than that well yeah you know what it would have been because uh spider-man came out 1999 that was chad yes. kroger hero so you're yeah. right they yeah, we're at the tail end. Okay. Yeah, because uh, Puddle Mud, Come Clean was their first album. That was 2001. So that was definitely, wow. yeah, 
So I think, well, then that paints them in a little bit different of a light for me then. <laughs> I, I won't lie. I'm with you that like, I was, I was under the impression that that was kind of the start of the era. And so I was like, okay. So yeah, they didn't really have an excuse. They should have been a little bit better. <laughs> Sorry if they're listening. I don't know if they're friends of yours. <laughs> no, no. So, it's- it, it was very cookie cutter. It was very almost like, okay. So Reese, Reese. <laughs> She, you know, she explained to us that, you know, when it comes to albums, sometimes they, they kind of just lay it out for you and say, your sound fits this. So I will very much say with these guys, it sounds like somebody got four or five guys in the room was like, here's all your songs. You'll sell records. Just go record. It, it didn't, there wasn't a lot of, I don't want to say sold to it, but like, it just, it, there's nothing about that, that album that I pulled away that was like, oh my gosh, you know, like groundbreaking and the lyrics caught my attention it sounded very cookie cutter to me very put together so again not a bad group but now that i know they they were kind of towards the end of the genre they could have they could have you know tried a couple different things i mean again they they had all the right formula for that genre right but like you said it was kind of the everybody else thing and i think music was at that point now that i'm thinking about it actually that would have actually kind of been the start of the push to uh emo and the, the pop punk resurgence so and yeah, now that, I now that old, you man. say that oh god bro we're old uh, <laughs> <laughs> we're old like i'm pulling back these like 2001s and and i'm listening to it I was like oh i remember the time when oh. i was here and there and when i do the math i'm like okay yeah 20 years oh. 20 years sir 20 <laughs> years it seems like it was like five years ago <laughs> oh man Oh, so what is one of your albums? I gave you a, a fun one. Uh, yes, you did. <laughs> I love Tom Waits. Um, he is such a weird enigma for me in music. Um, he is, how can I explain this to people? For me, I, I, you know, I've not listened to everything <clears throat> he's ever put out. Uh, but my favorite um, album is Nighthawks at the Diner. Um, mm. I don't even remember where, when, how. I just one day had a CD and I listened to it and I was so taken back because at the time I was very much into a lot of hip hop, a lot of like heavy, heavy rock. And here comes this almost, I guess it would be literally a 70s lounge singer. Uh, that album came out, I believe, in 75. Uh, and ah, man, it's so, you want to talk about trying to paint some money into a box. Tom Waits is his own thing. Um, he's a comedian. He's a, I don't even want to say lyricist. I don't know what the word for somebody who understands words better than other people are, but it's definitely not just a lyricist. He, and I think the reason I was so attracted to him is because he looks at words the same way that somebody like Eminem looks at words. It's not about just rhyming it with something. It's about how can I say it slightly different or how can I do it different? And on top of that, he was notoriously known for taking copious amounts of drugs and alcohol on a daily basis. So I can only imagine what his mind is like in a clear setting. Um, But again, I, I've listened to him now for so many years. Um, and the only time it's ever even once uh, 
been beneficial to me for having known Tom Waits, which don't get me wrong, he has accolades for 30, 40 years. Um, he, he, I don't know how to explain this. The only, like I said, great thing I've gotten that's come from it was um, it took a, a fairly long time for my now father-in-law to, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, like me? <laughs> and so he, one time we were shooting pool, he had a pool table and he goes, hey, grab that CD over there. He's like, I know you're a music guy. He's like, this is a very different one you probably never heard of. And as soon as I flipped it over, I was like, oh, Nighthawks at the Diner. I was like, yeah, I love this album. He, he looked at me so weird, like the fact that somebody wasn't in their 60s had heard of Tom Waits, let alone knew the album. <laughs> that was my first like step in the door and being like, okay, maybe you're okay. Um, <laughs> the, the two cool things I wanted to even talk about with Tom Waits is for one, for anybody that doesn't know, he was, it was rumored that he was slightly the inspiration for Heath Ledger's Joker. Um, there is a video comparison. You can go to YouTube, look up Tom Waits, Joker. Um, he, the voice that Heath Ledger has in The Dark Knight is Tom Waits' voice. He just kind of talks like this. You don't understand him sometimes. Like, again, copious amounts of drugs uh, and alcohol. Um, and when I tell you about his wordplay um one interview he had he was on a late night show very intoxicated i mean very noticeably intoxicated and it was a very rep reputable show he kind of stumbles out and he does you know his conversation with the guest and i don't even know who the guest was at the time and he moves down the couch as per you did back in the day and the next guest made the comment he goes you know, I've never been on a talk show because he also walked out with a yeah a glass of whiskey in his hand and the bottle. <laughs> That's who Tom Waits was. He didn't give a <laughs> shit. And he just sits down and as he's having drinking his whiskey, pours a little bit more. And the next guest comes out and he goes, you know, I never thought I'd be on a show uh, where somebody had a bottle in front of him. And Tom Waits, without missing a beat, almost instantly he goes, well, I'd rather have a bottle in front of me than a frontal lobotomy. And like, <laughs> that's just what he is. He's this wordplay in Smith of just interesting storytelling. Um, and I'm sure you guys are probably starting to catch on to trends now. Like that's, that's what draws me into music is the storytelling. It's, it's, it's the thing that if you can rope me in with that, just like Reese, Reese, I'll never not say her name normal again. <laughs> but it's yeah I, if you're a musician and you're a storyteller i will listen um again not to take away from bands you know um like revis and stuff but there wasn't i'm sure there's a story there that they had in their head but it wasn't something that captivated me um by all means uh do yourself a favor just look up tom waits nighthawks the diner even if you just listen listen to the song eggs and sausage um, there's every song he has is a prelude because he did live shows and essentially him just talking to the crowd, real soft piano, light, you know, saxophone, but he's got this voice. It's so just captivating. It's kind of pulls you in like this. And then he gets a little loud, you know, like he just is that seventies lounge singer and he's hilarious. I mean, one of the biggest jokes he has is this huge, long buildup to this diner where he's, explaining to you the waitress in detail he's talking about her rhinestone glasses and her overswelled ankles and her high heel boots to keep up with appearances and yada yada and he starts going on this rant probably an intoxicated rant 
about how you know his uh his coffee was real weak and the eggs and the sausage got up off the plate and salt and pepper shaker said sit down you ain't supposed to be up here and he goes he started beating the shit out of the coffee and coffee is too weak to defend itself like it just he just has this whole build up in his head because again we've all has said like oh that's weak coffee and to him he thought about that like okay some diners just have weaker watered down coffee and he turned it into the story about like the salt and pepper shakers beating the shit out of the coffee because it's weak and like he does this with so many songs so to me yeah i i will always you know look at tom waits to me as just one of the greatest artists of our generation um the fact that he's still alive to me is insane uh he has that you know ozzy osbourne um uh keith richards thing he's 72 years old and this guy was in a perpetual state of just alcohol and drug abuse for years and so uh you know you think a lot of them guys make it to their 50s but he's still out there kicking he's been in movies he's done a ton and again not hugely known he had his time back in the 70s and i'm just glad to have found him i I don't know if like i said if it was a garage sale or somebody left it in my car they were trying to punish me but i've been a fan of him ever since what did you think, Taj? What kind of journey did you have with Mr. Waits? Well, actually, uh, while I pulled my <laughs> glass of whiskey, I realized that old Thomas and I share the same birthday. <laughs> <laughs> and that's about it. And that's about it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, we do. We actually share... A birthday, December 7th. So that's pretty dope um, to know. I actually enjoyed the album. And the reason I enjoyed the album is because of how creative it was, especially during the 70s. It was There was a lot of experimental stuff that happened in the 60s and 70s. So a lot of your albums are slightly out there, especially in your discos. But this one, it just felt like you're, you're sitting in a diner and random night there's a guy you know i'm i'm picturing a cigar and and i'm picturing a whiskey glass and and a small band behind him and he just sits there and just talks most of the time when you hear some drunk guy talk at a bar you just wave him off and leave him be but in this case you get intrigued because his storytelling is impeccable and you don't know if it's real story or just made up in his head but you're intrigued you want to know more about you know why you're better off without a wife or why were you in putnam county this whole time like you just like were you just bouncing from coffee shop to coffee shop and then shit just happens like tom's diner like (laughs) right you know like what what was going on um and to realize that the album was recorded in a studio just with a small audience so it wasn't even like he was in places he was in a studio and the same studio that um oh god i'm trying to remember uh the wallflowers record their albums so but it didn't seem like that through the album it literally just seemed like someone just hit record in a small ass diner and you're listening. Yeah. And it was amazing. Like it to me, it was like the first podcast 
You know, you just press play right. on a random ass podcast and you just sit there and listen and you realize, oh shit, they got a story to tell. And that's Tom. Like, that was amazing. And then his yeah. voice was so um, hypnotizing that you just like, is this, isn't an, is he an old guy? And then you look, no, he looks young as hell, but he sounds 90. He does. <laughs> he does. <laughs> he does. Um, but no, I, I definitely enjoy that album and it sucks that it's not one of the albums that, you know, like a rock and roll hall of fame should be nominating or putting out or, or like Rolling Stones continuously talks about, um, cause I think it's one of those albums that should be talked about. It's, it's brilliant. And especially knowing that over four sessions, it was recorded in a studio. <laughs> yeah. It's really cool. Um, no, well, that, the, was, that was amazing. And that's the weird thing with that too, is like, if he's he to me he's he's genius on one of two levels like you said it sounds like somebody just hit go and if he came up with that because when you listen to it it almost sounds like mindless rambling uh, so if he came up with that off the top of his head that is genius and what he's able to rope people into and get to listen to even more so genius is that if that was planned and thought out and um like that was his idea of the performance that is like some Andy Kaufman level shit. Yeah. You know, you know what I'm saying? To like have that delivery and that, that, that cadence that he does like um, so many uh, oddball artists I know have mentioned him. And anytime I hear his name in like an interview or something, I am always like, oh, I'm not alone, but like, like John, Johnny Depp is one that I've heard him like reference many, many times. Um, Nick Offerman actually in uh, one of the seasons of Parks and Rec did like a little stumble walk thing and he's like oh that's for Mr. Waits and I'm like oh, he's talking about Tom Waits like so yeah there have been you know some people that like they know him he's definitely by no means like um, a not known person he's been no. around for years but um, yeah and like I said there's tons of stories you can read about him too that people aren't a hundred percent sure if this persona of like the drunk piano man is like a real thing or if it's his performing art, because there's different reports that like, he's very much like a white picket fence guy. And like, so to me, that seems crazy because he does seem like the kind of guy that would hop like in a van drive two States over and be like, Oh, okay. We'll go in here. I guess drink his whiskey, drink his coffee and then go sleep in the van and then get up and do the same thing the next day. Like, and maybe play a show here and there. So, but apparently he's not, he's very like a family man and stuff. So again, he's to me, music wise, he's on that Andy Kaufman level to where like, if this is a performance, it's one that he refuses to break in front of people. So to me, like I said, crazy genius level stuff. And, and again, let me correct myself. Um, he was actually ranked number 55 on Rolling Stones, a hundred greatest songwriters of all time and he was also inducted into the rock and roll hall of fame in 2011 but what i meant not meant but what i'm trying to clarify is that he's not talked about enough that's yeah. where i was trying to get at like even if i'm sure that album has been placed somewhere and oh yeah and yeah. he is inducted but he's inducted by those of his peers 
that know better. It's just we don't hear it as yeah, yeah, as we should. This stuff should have been in some A24 studio movie, you know, because it's I'd watch that. it. Yeah. And I'll watch, watch it. it. And 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 it sucks because it, that was his highest ranking album at that time. And it was like 164 out of 200 in the Billboard charts. So, but he has this fame behind him. He's, yeah, like when you think of the idea of like, a, you know, we call it a cult classic. This, this would be like that before that term was a thing, right? He was like every other musician's like favorite little like hidden thing to know of. Like it's kind of like the OG, you know, like, like his inspirations were like Bob Dylan uh, and the doors and stuff. Right. And so to him, like, you know, there were other artists that came out, you know, through the eighties, nineties, two thousands, 2010s that looked back on his work and were just like, Oh, wow. Like, and again, like the, the dedication to the character or the persona, if that was like Andy Kaufman level genius, his, his jokes were right on par um, with Mitch Hedberg. They were just these little one line zingers, right? Like I, I'm looking at them right now. There's a couple, uh, uh, they, they called them like weightisms and they were just so great. And he, it, again, it sounded like he would come up with them, on his own like like uh, just like again like it sounds like a live album and he would just be dead quiet for like 30 seconds and somebody would be like uh, i'm gonna get a drink or something and somebody would be like hey get this man a drink and he's like i'm just kidding i'm so broke i can't even pay attention like he would just say little <laughs> things like that or like what was the other one let me find it here oh yeah i he actually said this one i think it was like track three or four he's like you so you got to keep busy after all you know, no dog ever pissed on a moving car. Like, I just love that <laughs> stuff. And so, like, yeah, he just had all these little quotes he would have. And I don't know. To me, he's just a cool guy. Some of the interviews you watch, obviously, are a little cringy because, yeah, you could definitely tell he wasn't always in his right state of mind. But, man, the, the level of genius that that man was with words and how he just, I won't say created a genre, but took it, I would say, fairly unpopular genre. And was just like, yep, this is me. I, that's oh my god i'm just reading a description from his rolling stone induction uh one of the critics daniel uh Dershultz, said it sounds as if uh, a musician was soaked in a vat of bourbon left hanging in a smokehouse for a few months and then taken outside and run over with a car hilarious <laughs> he's that's not hilarious wrong. He's, not he's not wrong at all that is <laughs> oh my goodness oh that is so good no i do and like i said this is the best part of this podcast for me is like being able to look back at people that inspired us and that we you know found in and you know somebody might listen to us and be like fuck it i'm gonna look up tom waits i'm gonna hear this song i want to hear this voice who inspired the joker you know like and that's great i hope his legacy lives on forever because he's definitely more than earned it and i agree so my next one um is i don't know they they should be they should have been around more i i know that most of the cool. bim i know <laughs> i know most of the band members have left the band and it's down to paul the main guy um and he said that's fine he'll take the name and run it as a solo project mute math is the next album and band name uh These came dudes. out Man, uh, yeah, I this was my favorite of the two. Uh, 
I called you Well, we talked during the week and I was like, dude, I was having such a hard time even listening to Revis because I kept going back and re-listening to this album. Yeah. It's, it's good. It's good. It's, tear, tear it up. Sorry to interrupt. Oh, no, you're <laughs> fine. And Mute Math is the band and the self-titled album was released 2006. It's an American alternative rock band. They're not a Christian band, people. I want to say that as a fan because they, <laughs> they've been fighting this moment where they're clarifying, like, we're not a Christian band. Um, but it draws heavily in the 60s and 70s type of soul rock, psychedelic rock, jam bands like Dave Matthews Band. And their first single, uh, Typical, peaked at, like, 39 in the billboard charts they also had a, a track in the twilight series i know people um but <laughs> <laughs> but this album to me was uh, a breath of fresh air i love albums um when they just continue there's no stops it goes right from track to track, it has a good segue, kind of like Tom Waits. It just segues right into the another one. And then before you know it, the album's done and you want to listen to it again because how it is. And Mute Math to me is one of the best rock bands of all time. And I tell you why, because the quality of their albums is impeccable the live shows are even better whatever you heard on cd is not the same as when you when you go there live they will mix and remix and remaster and switch things up to the point that you don't even remember the original song because it was that good live mute <laughs> math should be here today they should be charting today and they are one of my best bands chris what you got no, I agree. When I first heard, I believe the song is called Typical. Let me just double check. Let me look this up. Yeah. I, so my first, you know, and we talked about this. I, when I listened to an album, first time is start to finish. I just let it play. Um, I will say that was a lot easier for me when I had an hour drive to work. Uh, having a seven minute drive makes it a little tougher, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm finding things and times to do to where I just kind of zone because um, what I found in my process of like, finding uh something about these artists that we're looking at especially new ones is if i just sit and do nothing but listen and i i overanalyze i over critique a lot but i found that if i'm working on another project or like mowing the yard or cleaning up the house and i've got my earbuds in and i'm just jamming and then a song catches me off guard that gets me to stop focusing on that main thing i'm doing that's that's the one that's the hooker for me you know like and so the, yeah, with the first time I listened to typical to me, it was, it was just background noise, but then I got down to the bottom because this album has 20 songs on it. Yes. So I got all the way to track 16 live version, typical, something about the voice, something about the guitar. I don't know what it was, but I'm like, hold on. How did I not hear this song? So then I just went back up. I'm like, oh, here's the original. Listen to the original recorded. And I was like, now nah, I'll go back to the live version. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know what it is. And like, I, you're right. They they changed some things here. And the, the live versions are a little longer. Uh, if anybody's looking for a, you know, a what kind of music is this? 
when I first started listening to them, I was like, oh man, if these guys came out before the killers, I would be suing them. But like, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's that, you know, that second wave British invasion alternative, um, you know, a little bit of the Smiths, a little bit of Sonic Youth. It's got that punk vibe element. Um, if anybody grew up like I did with a mother that watched the TV series Charmed, Mm. I don't know if you've heard the opening song, but it was yes. a remastered version of a Smith song from the eighties. Yes. I thought that that could be them. I was like, I got to look these guys up because if they sang that opening track, I'm going to shit myself. Cause I heard that song <laughs> every morning for 10 years of my life. And just, you know, that era of um, kind of fast beat, high top drums mixed with, you know, every band, including you two figuring out how, um, uh, reverb and uh, vibrations work on guitars, just that, you know, so a lot of it's that, but yes, very much that, that new wave, uh, that second wave British invasion pop, the late nineties, early two thousands, you know, very post post spice girls, you know, um, which I consider, yeah, like the, the, to me, that was the start of the second British invasion. But it was it was the breakdown that came afterwards. You know, it was like, OK, the pop was, you know, for, and for anybody that doesn't know, the first British invasion was the Beatles, obviously. And then, yeah, in the 90s, they called it the second wave or the, you know, well, not just the Beatles, to be fair. Uh, it was the Sex Pistols. It was um, the Who. It was, you know, every um, uh, Rolling Stones, like just every British group that came out after the Beatles, that was, you know, the British invasion. So um, the second one, yeah, was very much to me, uh, Spice Girls, Oasis, um, a ton of groups. I mean, these guys, again, have that same kind of vibe sound, but it is, it's that psychedelic punk rock alternative grunge. But the, the one thing I will categorize under is like really fucking good. Like I <laughs> caught myself going back again and again and again. And then, yeah, some, sometimes you listen to a CD, you pick out two, three songs you like, and that's just what you listen to until you get bored of them and you move on. I, I couldn't tell you how many times over the past couple of weeks I've just let this play. This is the perfect, like doing stuff album. Like, it's up enough to like get you, you know, not be, you know, like Tom Waits. You got to be in a mood to listen to Tom Waits, right? You almost want to like have some buddies over for like poker and have a nice chill night with some cigars and whiskey and just, all right. This is more of like a, hey, I'm going to go work on the yard or I'm going to go clean, you know, an office out or something. Or, you know, I've been really needing to sit down and do that thing on my computer. It's just good music. I, yeah. And it's really hard to genre it too because different songs have different elements. Yeah. And the 2000s was a really weird year for music. Yeah. I know we've, we've talked about that before. There were so many different personalities and so many different genres that were popular. And I think that's the thing that, you know, we could, <clears throat> you could almost split the 90s, you know, to me, like 90s is split between hip hop <clears throat> and alternative. Um, you, you had your, you know, all of the greatest artists, I think, out of hip hop right in the 90s, Biggie, Pac. Dre, Snoop, um, and then on the alternative side of that, you also had bands like uh, Lit and uh, um, oh my god, I always forget everyone's name. Um, Green Day, you had mm -hmm. just this the two sides of a coin. Um, right. In the eighties, you know, it was all very technotronical pop. It was all very um, Breakfast Club. It was all you know 
you had your darker side of pop, like The Cure and stuff like that. But essentially all pop. 70s was disco. 60s was folk. The 2000s was fucking insane. Yeah. Because in one week of TRL, you could have like Kid Rock, Ja Rule, um, Nickelback, Stone Temple Pilots, and Metallica. Like it just, you never knew. Like so many genres were popular in the 2000s. It was such a cool era because I think about that now as we're adults. Our generation doesn't really give a shit how we're like labeled or classified. You know, sure, we had a ton of movies that was always like, Oh, you have the jocks and the nerds and the goss and the, you know, right. But in, in all reality, like in our era in the 2000s, you could just jump between those groups. Like I was from a small enough school, you know, and not everyone, I will say that not everyone, everyone has different experiences. There were very much clicks and things like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I started off in high school with like camo shorts and blue hair. And by the time I left my senior year, I looked like a member of Nickelback. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I had the bracelets and the conca shell necklace and the spiky highlights, you know, and the, the, the white button up with the cross on the chest opened up down to the second to last button, the wife beater underneath, you know, three chains on and boots. Oh my God. Boots had never see, yeah. Boots had never seen dirt with holes in them. That being said, oh. I refuse to shop at buckle. You guys are the bane of the world. Your shit was 20 years ago. Get quit wearing and selling bedazzled jeans to men. Listen, Gadzoots was my store. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Hell yeah. Before Hot Topic, yeah. it was Gadzoots. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I ain't going to lie. For me, it was Value City because we was cold. <laughs> yeah, no, we, I went to Value City, too. I went to Value City for was at Lock 24. They had a lot of uh, uh, Looney Tunes characters on the shirt, and I thought I was really cool with all the stars and all that mess. And look back, I'm just, I was just shiny. I just looked shiny. <laughs> I just remember it took me forever, but I talked to my mom and let me get in some echo shoes. And she's like, I don't get it. I don't get it. I'm like, mom, I have the shirt. It goes with the shoes. I, I, my, my parents tried their best to hip hop me. Like it was the worst because whatever that was cool at the time, they would buy it nonchalantly for me to wear. And dad was like, Oh yeah. I got you, got you some new clothes. I'm like, okay, dad. So I, I put it on and I'm like, dad, this shirt is, uh, it's too long. Yeah. Well, that's how they wear it. I'm like, dad, this is, this is a 20 XL. Like this is 20 X. I'm, it's a skirt. It's, it's dragging on the floor, dad. I can't even see my knees. Like, and it's white. I don't wear white. Like what's, uh, <laughs> that's what, that's how they wear it. And I'm like, dad, I, I'm a, I'm a size 32 in a waist. You gave me a 46. Oh. Like, <laughs> oh yeah. Nope. My mom did the same shit, just the opposite. I'm like, oh wow, another flannel. Thanks. <laughs> you know what was worse? I'm sort of like, no, I need to wear me. Okay. What do you want? Everything black, everything nope. emo, everything nope. goth. <laughs> Dude, I, I feel so bad. Jinko, Jinko, Jinko. I can't even tell you how many pairs of bootcut jeans my mom bought that never saw the light of day. Oh my God. I was like, they fit weird over my Converse. And she's like, well, you're supposed to wear boots under them. I'm like, why would I wear boots? Like, I bought you boots. I'm like, I'm not a hick. I'm not a cowboy. I, it, man, I look back and I was like, even then, even even then, I, I say I'm not surprised that people call me gay because I, I was wearing some gay shit. I'm not going to lie. Like there was I when, when when my wife first met me, it was it was at a music store. I wasn't working there. I was still young but i had the jackson five fro i had this pleather 
flaming jacket. What I mean by that is, is, is literally pleather, like plastic almost, and the arms was like flamed up to the elbows on both arms. And I was wearing all black. And I'm talking about black with the chains that you, you jingle jingle when you walk by. (laughs) And, uh, (laughs) <laughs> because again, I was playing wrestling games, so you know that mindset of like, oh, I look like a wrestler, huh? and uh, <laughs> so I met her, and then I was like the nice guy. So I, I didn't, I, I never shook hands properly with a woman, like you know, just grab the bear hug and give it that whole tug that uh breaking your wrist. No, I give her the like fingertips to fingers and. A little bit of a nice to meet you kind of thing. And she's like, I think he's gay. Oh, wow. yeah. <laughs> hey, don't feel bad. My wife thought I was a douchebag. Unfortunately, she was right. <laughs> uh, 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 uh. Dude, she to this day, she tells our children the story. <laughs> and she's not like, you got to remember, like at the time I was in, you know, like you remember I used to come to Harry's. It was always like yeah. a button up shirt, uh, some nice pants, tennis shoes, chilling. Um, but I was also at the time still in that, that the metal band I was in the fifth columnist. Yeah. And we, and that's the thing, especially in my early twenties, I wasn't exactly sure who I was either. I had this, you know, hillbilly background to me. I had this, you know, Lima ghetto background to me a little bit. I had these guys I was playing metal music with. So I just, some days I even didn't know who I was. I didn't really have my own fashion sense. It was kind of one of those things like, Oh, I'm, I'm going out to mom. So I might as well put on those jeans she got me and, you know, the shit kickers and the flannel she got me for Christmas. And then I'd go, <laughs> you know, come to dance and stuff. And I'm like, well, I don't want to look like a hillbilly out there, even though that happened a lot because of Uno. Um, right. But yeah. And then the other aspect, like I'd go to band practice and like literally the first time my wife met me, I had an old pair of Jinkos on, like the big old elephant ear Jinkos. Yes. And a cut off T-shirt of Lamb of God. And yeah, hair wasn't done. I think I had a, a baseball cap on and I saw her singing uh, karaoke and uh, sticks renegade. Yeah. And she just had this like Janice Joplin just growled over her voice. And I was like, oh, my God. And then I saw the red hair and I was like, I'm in love. And here we are, you know, 15, 16 years later with kids and everything else. But yeah, uh, our mutual friend knew. Um, I mean, we all know each other now, but knew her friend and i was like you gotta get her come over here and play if you just get her in my vicinity game over bro that you know that was me and she also says that she kind of doesn't remember the first time we met but definitely remembers i was a douchebag and i was like okay then we definitely met so like, but yeah she swears up and down that never happened some days and other days she's like oh yeah no i but yeah same thing man like my wife just I thought I was a douchebag because I literally looked like I just was about to come from a, like a Marilyn Manson concert and I was still trying to like spit game at her like what's up like and so yeah I, I don't blame her I would have done the same thing luckily I got some more chances and uh you know did a better job and here we are but hey man that that was that era like it, shit happens shit happens but you know I look back and I, I don't regret any nah. of that because no that was that was me man like yep. it wasn't like I was trying to figure out who I was. That was just me. I, I just, that jacket was um, given to me as a gift from a friend for Christmas. Cause we went to Gadzoops and I was like, I like that jacket. He bought it for me. So it was, it was my, my pride and loyalty to him that like, Hey, I 
like the fact that you, you know, bought this for me. So here's me telling you thank you every day. You know what I mean? Because most right. of the time people be like, what? And then like throw it away. And then, but no, I like, I cherish that friendship. So I was like wearing it every day. And come to find out, I was just gay every day. So, <laughs> <laughs> no, Matt, check them out. Uh, the imagery that they have for their their albums and stuff is really cool. Yes, um, he yeah, the lyrics are. I, I don't want to say they're out there. They're they're not. They're they're definitely for the times. Um, but you can definitely tell there was that kind of almost. Like I said, almost like an Oasis vibe to them. Like they kind of, mm. I don't know if they thought they were going to get bigger than what they were. They had a very eccentric look, a very uh, different style. Um, but they they seemed like a band that, yeah, should have been bigger than what they were. Um, I'd never heard of them until Taj suggested them. Um, but yeah, they just, they were very much, I don't, I won't say ahead of their time because I think we use that term too much sometimes. I think yeah. they were perfectly right for the time. But given maybe the right push or maybe, I mean, the last I heard, I can't remember what year it was, but they were like opening up for like the fray. So, I mean, it's, it's that, that, you know, that kind of genre. Um, and again, when it comes to like genres like this, you know, somebody like a Tom Waits doesn't open up for anybody. I'm sure he has, I'm not saying he has it, but like you're going to a Tom Waits show because his genre is his own. Um, you know, and I felt that way about a lot of artists, but sometimes if you fall into a genre or a click, you can easily get, you know, lost in the fray a bit. Um, again, the killers is the perfect example for me. Um, I know they've had, they've been around for 20 years. Uh, I know the song, Mr. Brightside. Yeah. And I promise you, I, I've heard 10 to 15 other of their songs, but I don't know the names of them because that kind of genre took off and, they all kind of just blend together as you get a little bit older. So, and so it just, it happens, you know, um, hip hop right now is a really good example. I could not honest to God, tell you the difference between uh, Travis Scott and ASAP Rocky and uh, a lot of artists. Like they just, they, so many of them sound the same. If you were to play like uh, Lil Uzi, Kodak Black and, um, What's the other guy's name? Um, Lil Yachty. Mm, I, yeah. I bet you, I bet you I wouldn't be able to tell who's who. Maybe Kodak, maybe, because he says some weird shit. Yeah. But like, but if you throw like Tyler the Creator in there, I'm like, yep, that's Tyler. Yeah. Like, you you don't mix him up. Like he says some weird shit. And that's the thing. He made himself an individual. And he de- he decided to touch on all the genres that like hip hop doesn't want to touch on. You know, I watched him on like, I think it was Hot 97 or maybe it was, maybe it was Swiss's. He literally like looked into a guy's eyes. He's like, then we get naked and touch each other's butts. And dude's like, what the fuck do you look at me when you say that? He, He took, you know, he took a trope and he, you know, what started off as almost like comedy hip hop. The dude won an award. I mean, he was the album of the year. Yeah. So again, don't be afraid to set yourself apart from people. It's super easy to fall into a group and just kind of land there. So yeah. That's, yeah. Uh, mute mouth, and they're good. And thanks to Reese. Reese. Uh, because it, it also, you can pretty much said it, the industry <clears throat> tends to 
put people in a box and this is the only box that you got. <clears throat> so, I mean, I'm glad that Mute Math and uh, 21 Pilots got together and did their little collab thing um, on a mixtape and album kind of live thing, which was kind of dope. But to say the least, that's why you started to get music. And there's a part of music where it gets weird. And during the time when Mute Math came out, well, before that, I guess, uh, the 2000s with your all your Nickelbacks and all that, Napster, Napsters was happening, you know, so everyone was illegally downloading music. It's true. Yeah. And so the label wasn't sure what to do now because they're losing money. So they were just throwing bands out. Right. Like Seems just stuck. just whatever it is we got from the shelves, just throw them out. Hopefully we get some money out of them, you know, and then ringtone music happened <laughs> where you got a collection of, of songs that just had catchy choruses. And that's all you had. And that became a thing. And then it waved off into like a weird, um, I don't know, futuristic kind of vibe stuff. Like Justin threw out the sexy bag. And then that 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 doo -doo 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 sound became a thing <laughs> for like three years. For like, everyone. <laughs> everyone was using that. And then it faded off. And then all of a sudden, rap, no, um, dance and dubstep started to wave through and then that was starting to become the thing and then that waved off and then now you get these mumble rappers and then that was kind of waving off and now you get this conglomerate of weird sounding gremlins <laughs> yeah a little bit a little bit so i think right now we are we had a weird spot where you get your Kodak Black and your Travis Scott kind of mixed together because everything's starting to sound the same. And then now, thanks to TikTok, old music or music that is at least five, 10 years back it's is so becoming cool happening. Yeah. And it's and it kind of gives a new meaning of okay, we don't need what's happening now. We need what happened back then now. Yeah. So I'm glad to see that kind of push. So hopefully the labels, uh, hopefully this year, next year, there is that pop of new sound that helps makes make us love new music again. Because even for me as a DJ, it's hard for me to love new music now. Yeah, it's hard. It is. It is. So <clears throat> a lot of it's very unoriginal. Um, and I'm the same way, dude. Nothing warms my heart more than like to see a song that's trending on TikTok that came out. Yeah, like five, 10 years ago. And some, a lot of these artists are still out there performing and they're like, oh my gosh, I'm getting this huge, you know, I'm getting thousands of people. Like, think about this. You write a song five years ago and for the next five years, you're still playing that song. And then right. one random ass Tuesday, you wake up and the, the show you thought you were going to do that weekend that might have 200 people there. You just found out you're going to have like 5,000. That's got to just be the coolest shit feeling in the world. Like, absolutely. So kudos to the ones that stick with it, man. Like, I love it, you know, and there's other people that they, they stopped doing music. They got older and they're like, yeah, I wrote that song and I only played it a couple times. And, you know, yeah, I sent it out. No one really did anything with it. And now they're going to get royalties from it because they're using them in commercials and all kinds of shit now. So exactly. It's it's great. And for some new artists, too, like the uh, the Tom's Diner kids, 
Yes. You know, that those guys are going to, they're going to, if, if they're not like, a, I, they're going to have a couple years of being a traveling band and they'll write off those successes. Hopefully they can write their own stuff and kind of, you know, have another hit and stuff. But even if they don't, um, they will work in the music industry, either being writers or the vocals that one kid has just insane. So yeah, they're, they're going to be fine, but yeah, no, it's cool to, especially like I said, see the older ones and the newer artists that are coming out. So super excited for that. And I hope people do more weird stuff. I really do. Yeah, I agree. So what's your last album? You can literally leave this in the podcast. I don't remember. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I know, I know I changed it at one point and then I was going through all of our messages and I was like, I was like in my head, I'm like, I can't ask him, Hey, what albums do I give you? All you I do know. No, no, no. All I do know is that I made sure to pick an album that I listened to like a hundred thousand times. Cause I remember I was at my new job and I knew I was like, Oh my God, I don't have anywhere to write this down. I had my phone. I should have made a note. I remember giving you Tom Waits. And then I was like, what the hell other artist did I give him? So you tell me what artist <laughs> trust me, I've listened to it. I just don't remember which one it was. Um, hold on. It's uh shit. I just looked at it. I literally just looked at it. I was like, let me prepare myself real quick. Let me see his face sucking like, oh yeah, that guy. Um, yeah, Reggie Watts. Yes. Okay. Good. Okay. All right. Mr. Watts getting into the life of Watts. Okay. So I first heard Reggie Watts on uh, Conan O'Brien. I want to say 2013, 14. Uh, he's a comedian actor. Um, he right now. Okay. So I guess we'll do, we'll do a now and then um, he is the i believe which i heard the show's canceling so i don't know what this does for him but he is the um kind of the the right hand man to james corden show uh, late night show yes um i've seen him on there um my first introduction to him was conan o'brien um and i actually believe i watched it on tv and then it somehow popped up again on youtube probably eight, nine years ago. And well, maybe not that long. We five, six years ago. Um, but yeah, here comes this, you know, larger than life character, this big, crazy hair, you know, and this was before Coheed and Cambria, but the, that style, just the big, big old hair, big beard. And he's got this like eight bit golf shirt on. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, <laughs> and he comes out and he starts telling these jokes um, and the jokes don't really make sense because you kind of don't understand him. His accent's a little thick. Um, and he's like, he, he, again, he's talking, he's like, this month is Brown awareness month. And we're, we're trying to figure out why it's so hard to be down with the Brown. And you're like, wait, what the hell is he talking? Like, you did, <laughs> it's such a great bit that like he plays this. Okay. So he's an intelligent man acting dumb playing a smart man that's truly ignorant does that make sense like i i've listened to so many of them like the man is truly again a genius okay whenever you can mix comedy into music 
and it not be corny is a ridiculous level of talent. Okay. And on top of that, so he doesn't have, I mean, I'm sure when he, he tours and stuff, he has a band, but for this single performance, I was introduced to him and he did not, he has a loop machine. So he beatboxes and he creates all of his sounds and he does, you know, he does a bunch of things on the mics from just like covering his mouth on the mic to kind of get like a sound and he loops that. And then he does the most insane high pitches you'll ever hear come out of a man's body. Just his voice is godly and he'll do harmonies and layers and he's funny as hell. Just if you just want a good introduction to Reggie Watts again, Conan, uh, Reggie Watts, YouTube it, laugh your ass off. You'll not understand fully what it is, but if you even are kind of like, okay, that was at least talented. Like I did, you'll dig more into him and you'll start finding his albums. Um, and he's amazing. Um, I, I'm actually looking at some of the stuff now. I cannot believe, oh, he was actually born in Germany. That's crazy. But he's, yes. it shows he's 50 years old. That's insane to me. He just doesn't seem that old. And like, he went through a, a crazy, like weight loss too. Uh, he was a very pretty big guy when I first saw him. And like, he's, he's really gotten, um, much, much healthier. It's looking, but, um, ridiculous talent. Uh, again, um, one of my favorite songs of his is called fuck shit stack. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, you didn't hear that wrong. Um, but listen to it, listen to what he's saying. It's, it's such a play on hip hop. Um, and that's the point of the title fuck shit stack. And he talks about that. Like he's making fun of hip hop in a way saying like, all I got to do is talk about fucking bitches and this shit's whack over here. And I got my stack of money. I got a fuck shit stack. Like he's hilarious. And the music he does is amazing. And I, I, he's had multiple shows on YouTube where he'll have artists just come over to his house they will sit down with the loop machine and a keyboard and write some of the most insanely impromptu music I've ever heard in my life. Um, impromptu music is the hardest. Obviously there's no practicing, there's no playing. So his level of understanding of musical theory is to me, uh, bar none right up there with Dave Matthews, um, possibly, um, uh, I can't think of the other artist that is on that kind of level. Honestly, like impromptu music like that, it, it's not easy. Um, I know a lot of lounge singers and stuff do it. Uh, again, when you can mix comedy and amazing music and it not be corny uh, or hokey, uh, you really got something there. And so to me, yeah, his, his voice is just ridiculous. His, his mind, his brain, the way he processes um, is amazing. So if you really want an intro to his full music uh, kind of diagram, um, why shit so crazy is amazing. And then if you really just want a song to uh, see his, not just his range, but his, the song that you'll look up when he's on Conan, he actually turned into a, um, he turned into a, a full on song called sunshine. And, you know, he did that. I want to say a year or two after he was on the Conan show. Um, but there's elements from his impromptu, which I don't, again, believe that was fully impromptu. I think some of it was scripted, but there's a lot of talking parts where he has comedy bits, but all that goes away. And it's, it's just the bare bones music and vocals. And he's just, he's crazy talented. I think, thank you for reminding me who I picked. Tosh. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I loved I, it. 
uh yeah you you had me uh listen to simplify and it yes. came out 2003 yes. and uh it it fell into the categories that i was drawn to during that time um and i'm trying to remember it was called house cat the house cat but there's a weird song and some of some of the songs that he has in simplify reminded me of that particular song so i would look at it i will remember it once we talk about it but i love the fact that it's unapologetically random yeah yeah, uh, most of his albums are too. Like that's the cool thing, and that's what was awesome because you you did just you just didn't get an R&B, you just didn't get a funk, you just didn't get a jazz, you just get whatever the hell he felt to put on the album, right? <laughs> and and that was cool. Um, and it showed a lot of range very early in the game. Um, I do remember him in, uh the shows that you're talking about, especially in Conan. And I'll just remember him being the comedian. And I just didn't think that he was a musician. I just didn't really dig into his profile until now. And then I was like, oh, wow, he did all this stuff. And the music is great. like, And it's great in a way of, in equivalence to gorillas. Yeah. Gorillas is very different, is a very different sound, but the characters are the same. So that's kind of how he is. It's he is who he is, and what you get from those albums and those songs is him. So he's not trying to be anyone else. He's re- it's just him. So uh I, I definitely enjoy that kind of sonic sound, and it's bothering me what this other song was, but um, no, I, I definitely enjoyed it. It was definitely in that realm of what I was listening to. And I listened to a lot of weird stuff. So that was that was definitely dope. Um, Good. But to be honest, Tom Waits is the one that, that grabbed me more uh, when I was listening to both albums. I actually listened to Tom White, Waits again. Like I went and listened to it again after That's I got awesome. to Roger. I went right back and, and listened. Um, so yeah, I... That, that's what I have. <laughs> I, I agree. And it's crazy too. Like I like the simplified album because I think that was kind of his, his first attempts of like all right, trying to pick his genre and like trying to, you, it was so early on for him, you know? And I think, I don't know if it was the lack of success for that album, or maybe it was the, he listened back to it and was just like, maybe his, the reviews that he got were like, Hey, the stuff that you're doing that you're trying to fit in with, is okay but the stuff that you do that's a little out there is really where you need to focus right because his next album was batshit crazy it didn't fit nothing but i wanted you to hear that i kind of figured you'd heard some of his newer stuff that's kind of why i wanted you to hear his first one because it was like i barely even knew about his first one like i got lucky when i came across some of the songs I'm like when did he write this shit and like it just didn't sound like him because it was so nuanced and it, scripted almost and so to see that level of progression, I was like, okay, it's worth reviewing this album because there are there are the first hints of the Reggie Watts that the world knows today, and it's just kind of a cool thing to go through. But yeah, it's Tom Tom Waits is a hard one to contend with. He's he's a very captivating individual, and honestly, all these artists really are. 
Maybe not Revis, but they're, they'll get there. They'll, they're going to fine tune. They're going to be all right. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, the, the, the artist I was trying to get out of my head. His name is Felix the House Cat. The song is called Rocket Ride. It's so out there. Um, and that came out in 2004. But he also was popular for remixing the Nina Simone Center Man uh, back in 2003. And that's the one that's been on every car commercial, every soda commercial, every cologne commercial, like it's, it's everywhere. So Felix the house cat is the one that got me, um, you know, boggled up when I was talking about simplify. Nice. And the artist I couldn't think of earlier when I was trying to think of like, they kind of got coined into the emo group, but they weren't really, they were more of like the alternative rock smile, empty soul. Love wow. That yeah. I remember Love that group, man. I remember bottom of a bottle and silhouette those two songs oh man man yeah tell your mother not to be terrified yeah his voice man i was i even when it had like even when they came out and they're like oh they play it in like the emo groups i'm like these guys are not emo these guys are not punk i was like whatever these guys are this is just fucking good and it really sucks they only had those like two big hit songs because those guys man to me that was rock and roll like that was a group that was like yeah i can put on some eyeliner and you know wear girl pants and do all that or i can just be myself and come out here and like write some good ass music and they did they succeeded in an era where that kind of music wasn't necessarily the big thing i really do think that they were a part of keeping you know quote unquote rock and roll around in an area where everything was going very digital and stuff so right um, yeah, I mean, we could probably end up doing a whole episode on Smile Empty Soul if we wanted to. Their, their story is insane. They were true rock and roll artists. So, but again, we'll, we'll get to that. It's, it's a school night. We might get some sleep tonight yet. <laughs> Heck yeah, absolutely. So Chris, what do you got to say to the listeners? Uh, to any of the listeners? Uh, yeah, it seems like we keep changing. You, you stay the same. I change mine all the time. So I'm going to stay on that, <laughs> on that, um, be yourself, uh, even if it sucks right now, okay, hear me out. Uh, it's going to be cool one day, right? Um, the, the stuff that I see the younger generations doing now, like I saw a kid going, uh, wearing pants that were about half an inch above his shoe line. If I would have done that in eighth grade, I would not be alive today. I would have been ostracized like, oh, he's got dumb pants. His pants don't fit. The world is changing so fast around you, you don't even realize it. There's no really such thing as cool and hip and in now. The coolest thing that you can be is literally yourself. And I'm glad the generation we grew up in, because all of our movies said that while kind of typically that wasn't necessarily the case in real life, but the world kind of got there. I don't know if it's like our generation now having kids and raising them with that mindset. Like, Hey, if a kid looks poor, his dad could drive a Ferrari and he just likes to dress that way. Or the kid that is really popular chances are, you know, they might have some issues at home that they're dealing with. That's why they're mean to you. Parents are more open with their kids now, and the kids are more accepting of other kids. It doesn't seem like the same kind of bullying and the same kind of um, uh, stigmas that were put on, you know, our generation and definitely generations before us are the same. So fuck it. Be you. We always say like double down on you. So whatever style you got, whatever you're feeling, do. One of the coolest things happened to me, again, in Lima, Ohio. I was so stoked about this. I was at Subway eating lunch the other day, and a girl walks in. 
and uh, she's about 5'2", a little heavier set, bright ass. I'm talking bright ass pink hair, mm. bright ass pink nails, lipstick, shoes to match. I'm sure the toenails were on the same. And there were, you know, some older folks in there that they gave the look, the look, you know. Yeah. We all see it. We all see it. <laughs> and the girl comes in. I think she was a door dasher. Gets her food and is leaving. And then right as she's going out, uh, this like probably 16, 17-year-old girl comes in. And she's got like a single like real small blue braid in her hair. But loud as shit. Almost like she knew people were looking. She was like, oh, my God. I love your hair so much. It's like, oh, thank you, girl. And they sat and talked for like 15, 20 seconds. Just, <laughs> just real quick, right? And they was just like, hey, you have a good day. They high-fived. And I just, I, I remember, like, I stopped. And I was like, oh there it is like it's here it's now the, the stuff we we thought could happen one day it's starting that right. older generation that older mindset of like you should look a certain way or you should do a certain thing it's starting to go out the door you know i i met a guy the other day who's like a very higher up person in the company i'm with he had a tattoo on his hand that made my day i was like we're here so again take advantage of it be you you want a ton of tattoos? Go get them. You want to never have a tattoo on your body? Do it. Piercings, color t-shirts, stuff from the 90s, retro. Th- I'm wearing my Nickelodeon tie-dye shirt right now looking at my Angry Beavers and Rugrats. I can do that. <laughs> I, I go to Walmart right now and still be in the top 30% best dressed. <laughs> so, so do you. Do you. Yes. Be you. I'm going to side with CTG and say, be you, man, because you have no idea what you are doing as an individual changing someone's life, even if they're not telling you. So wear that random ass shirt. Wear the the, the chains on on the side of your pants. Wear that tight ass black ass shirt with a little tiny little zipper that comes up to your neck. I'm talking to myself. I have done this. Man, and every day, and even though, even even though I have moments, I'll be truthful. Um, I every day I am not sure of myself. So if you ever see me like doing the best gig or whatever, just know that I'm I'm very dissecting myself internally, but I know that's just the thought, right? It's just a thought, it's not manifesting anything, it's just what you criticize yourself as. But outside of that, there's someone who's looking at me and saying, damn, I want to do that. I want to be that. I want to feel that energy. I want to la la la. And I feel the same way to those I inspired of, and they feel the same way. So don't think it's just you. It's just... You know you're doing something cool. You know you're doing something different that someone else isn't doing. Keep doing it. Keep pushing. Because that person that is bullying you, that person who's talking trash about you, that person who's who made a, a, a Facebook page just to hate on you, listen. Let the haters hate. Don't give them any names. Because that's free promotion. That's right. Just know. Then when they hating on you, you doing something amazing. So do you. As, as perfectly quoted in the movie Almost Famous, you will see them all again on their long journey to the middle. 
Exactly. And the wise words of Dave Chappelle as Rick James laying on the couch. <laughs> Fuck your couch. Slap. It's just slap him. No, we we can't do violence. Can't do violence. I was like, oh just, no, he's going. What the five fingers say the face? Just go to the house and put your feet on the couch and say, fuck your couch. Yep. Do it. Do it. Wu Tang. Wu Tang. <laughs> oh. oh so, right, guys. yeah. You already know where to find us. CTG MAR10. DJ SABOTAJ. Later days, you guys. Later, Later days. days. <laughs> Stole it. And if you enjoyed this episode and or the podcast, give us a review, rate the channel, and follow us. You can follow me, DJ Sabotage. That's D-J-S-A-B-O-T-A-J on all socials and Twitch. C-T-G Martin. That's C-T-G-M-A-R-1-0 on Instagram. Make sure to check us out every week. Until next time. Later days.